You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Well, like everyone else, basically in the United States, uh, just battening down the hatches here. It's uh, really cold. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually just leaving Atlanta from dropping my kids off to fly to Ohio, which is in the belly of the beast, as they say. Um, but they, uh, everything seems to be okay. Atlanta is just, you know, kind of frozen, uh, but it's not icy yeah. or anything. It's just. What's the temp you got there right now in the car? I mean. Uh, in the car, I've got 42 right now here in lovely <laughs> Noonan, historic Noonan, Georgia. Um, I'm in the car, and so if it if the sound is a little bit off kilter today, please forgive me. Um, Jimmy, lots to talk about, obviously, but I think, you know, where I want to start is somewhere that I was, gosh, I didn't think I'd be saying this, but Lorenzo Washington passes away. Um, yes. A lot of people are going to remember him. Uh, defensive lineman, and I remember very vividly, Jimmy, I think it was 04, 05, when he committed to Alabama on countdown to signing day. And I remember watching with a lot of anticipation because people thought he was going to go to Alabama, but Georgia was always right there. This was maybe, I mean, arguably Shula's second or third biggest commitment i mean is that crazy to say i don't think so no not now, at it didn't all. turn out that he was that good it didn't turn right. out he was that good i think he was he one was of the top recruits yeah one of the top recruits of the shula era particularly uh for kids outside the state uh we still recruited fairly well inside the state but uh outside the state uh big time blue chippers were uh were tough to, tough to get those days and uh Lorenzo was a guy that even I believe in retrospect, uh, you know, based on rankings and, and evaluations, uh, Lorenzo was, you know, probably a guy that Saban, you know, would have targeted and recruited as well. I mean, he was just one of the best defensive tackle prospects uh, in the Southern United States. So it was a really big get at the time. Now it would be almost, well, duh, of course we got him. <laughs> but back then it was a pretty, pretty big news. In fact, I would say he's also one of the few commitments Mike Shula got that Nick Saban would probably go after. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a yeah, guy we I would mean, target now. Yeah, and and but your your other point was that um, if he did commit, everybody'd be like, "Hey, that's great," you know. Whereas when he committed, it was it, it, we treated that with the same reverence that we treated, you know, I don't know, Tua Tungabailoa committing or Bryce Young committing. I mean, that's that's how big a deal we thought he was. Yeah, at the time. I mean, it had been a while Fran, uh, due to sanctions uh, that Fran recruited under uh, the sanctions Shula inherited uh, when he took over. It had just been a while since Alabama was able to sign top-notch kids from outside the state who other big-time programs wanted. There just weren't weren't a whole lot of those back then, and he was one of them. So it was a really big get. And while he never proved to be uh, a great NFL-type prospect, uh, you know, he was a pretty good player in college. I I think I remember he he played a fairly significant role 
on uh, I think the 08 team, which is really what uh, what what turned what turned the program around and, and was sort of the birth of uh, of the Saban era was that 08 team. And uh, I think Lorenzo was playing a fairly big role on that team. He also was there in 09, was he not? Uh, yeah, could have been. Could have. Been. I mean, I knew it was 08, 09. Uh, he yeah. signed in 04, but then had to sit out a year. I believe, uh, if, if, I, if I remember, even though he had good grades and was a smart kid, he had made some type of error uh, in his transcript, whereas maybe he had failed like a ninth grade class and uh, there wasn't enough time to, to, to rectify that. And, and he wasn't eligible and had to sit out until he was eligible. Uh, so I think he wasn't a freshman until like 05 or 06 and then redshirted. So he, he was probably around in 08, 09. Uh, but I remember him starting on early Saban teams and being a good player. Not, not great, but good. Uh, Jimmy, do we know what the cause of death was? I mean, no. I, I, any cause of death is not good. I mean, I'm not trying to go there, but I, man, I don't want it to be. I, I don't want it to be what I'm, what I'm thinking it is. I hope that's not the case. I, um, and I'm not going to even say it out loud. I just, um, boy, yeah, I've heard the I same. Then I've heard the same rumors you have, and I don't think it's fair for us to say that until we know. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jimmy, let me tell everybody about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the place to go to get your bets in. And you know you want to start betting. It's about time for college basketball to to really heat up. You know what's going down. Go get on betonline.ag and make that cash money that you need to make up for the crappy Valentine's gift you ultimately gave this past weekend. You need more cash so you can give bigger roses next time and make up for the crappy gift I know you gave. You probably gave one of those giant Hershey's kisses. That's what you probably did. Okay, that wasn't good enough. You need to do better. And if you want to do better, go to betonline.ag and start making that money. That's what you do. Use the promo code Locked On. You can bet on everything. College basketball. You can play poker. You can play blackjack. You can bet on reality TV. There's nothing you can't do at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. So if you put in 200 bucks, you get to play with 300. That's a pretty sweet deal. BetOnline.ag. Also, want to tell everybody about RockAuto.com. Hey, I know a little bit about cars. I'm driving one right now. Rock Auto. It's the best. Go to RockAuto.com and just check out their easy to navigate website. So easy, so simple. I don't know really much about cars except how to drive one, but I'm gonna tell you something. If you know anything about cars and you know anything about finances, you're gonna to wanna to go to rockauto.com and get those car parts you need. Chassis, windshield wipers, air conditioning filters. I think that's a thing. Um, turn signal bulbs, whatever you need, go get it. Rockauto.com is the best. It's got all the parts your car will ever need. Right there at rockauto.com, R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O.com. Go there today. Thank me tomorrow. Okay, Jimmy, a um, couple of recruiting tidbits here. First of all, Alabama gets a commitment from Elijah Brown, a tight end out of the Ohio area. Uh, what is it with us in Ohio tight ends, or, or really Midwestern tight ends, if you want to go back to Jaleel Billingsley being from uh, the Illinois area? Chicago area, um, but Caden Clark, who 
is taking a, uh, I think we said a topaz. (laughs) (laughs) He's been committed since uh, 2007, but he's finally going to get enrolled this year. And then, of course, we get this kid, Dal, uh, who's another big tight end, uh, seems to be very athletic. What do you know about him? Yeah, talked about him a little bit on the last show. The thing, you know, it's a tough position to evaluate uh, because most programs in the country don't play their best athlete at tight end. Uh, usually, if you got an SEC tight end type prospect on your team, you're playing them in another spot. That makes it difficult to evaluate. Also, most tight ends, in terms of guys that grow into NFL players, they tend to almost be late bloomers. If you think about the best tight ends in the world right now, you're talking about your Gronkowski's, your your Kittles, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey. These were not five-star athletes at a high school at all. These were three-star kids that developed over time. Uh, so it, it makes it a difficult position to, to evaluate and recruit. Uh, what I love about Elijah is most tight ends are pass-first or block-first guys. I would say Robbie Utes, who we signed in the last class, is, is a block-first guy. Caden Clark, probably a block-first guy. Julio Billingsley, a good example of a pass-catch-first guy. Well, I think Elijah Brown is a pass-catch-first guy, and that's what I prefer because I think it's easier to teach the other discipline than getting a block-first guy and teaching him to be a fantastic down-the-field athletic wide receiver. That's a little tougher. Uh, So I like getting the pass-catch-first guys, but what makes Elijah to me a, a really good prospect, Luke, is Here's a pass catch first guy who also weighs 235 pounds with a 6'6 frame. And several of his highlight tape plays show him just blowing up people. Here's a kid who likes the contact, who has all sorts of upside as a blocker, but he's a catch first guy. He could, he could, it's too early to say, but he could end up being the very elusive guy that's good at both and that's that's very difficult to find a lot more difficult than people know yeah and i'm gonna ask you a question why do you keep saying pass catch first guy is there another kind of catch (laughs) that's just what what i what that's just what i've come up with to describe this (laughs) you uh patent pending trademark pending um okay another quarterback you're familiar with ty simpson I saw just a minute ago on Twitter, as we're recording this Monday, you know, afternoon, that he says he's going to push his commitment date back due to inclement weather from February 19th to February 26th. First of all, I dig a quarterback who plans like that. I mean, he knows more than James Spann. He knows there's going to be inclement (laughs) weather in five days. Yeah, I think uh, his announcement's at his school. And I don't know that it's announced or that people would carry it, but I, I believe the school is going to be closed all week due to the weather. And that's where the announcement is. And he wants to make his announcement uh, in front of the student body. He, he simply plays at a smaller school where they have not had a player commit to a power five school either ever or in years. So his announcement's a very big deal. His, uh, his coaches, his principal, they all want a packed school for Ty Simpson to announce where he's going. So uh, with the weather and potential school closing, uh, he went ahead and moved it for that reason. Uh, what do you, who do you compare this guy to? Because when you say that about his school, the, right. the person I immediately think of is Brody Coyle. Uh, I love that comparison in the sense that uh, 
it's very, it, it, there's a lot of Brody and in, in Ty, but he's just a different type quarterback than Brody. But I like how, you know, Brody played at a small school that didn't produce a lot of players and he wasn't the biggest kid in the world, but he had really special talents. And even though a lot of big schools don't recruit quarterbacks from these tiny private schools <laughs> because they don't play with a lot of good players, his talent was so special that Brody was basically recruited by everybody. And that's a great way to describe Ty. But Ty's game is, is far different far different than Brody's, uh, although he does have a, a strong arm. Uh, Ty, you know, when I, I was watching his junior tape again this morning. I've seen it so many times, but uh, I watched it again. Uh, it's always a good reminder sometimes to watch the really elite guys. That helps you when you're watching guys that are a little less elite to know where, where they should rank. But Ty, there's a lot of Johnny Manziel in Ty's game. Ty's about the same size as Manziel, similarly sized, maybe a little bit bigger. But, man, he is a backyard football whiz. Ty can run any type of offense, but he's at his highlight-making best when the play breaks down and he has to scramble to keep the play alive, and he still makes a big play because he can throw the ball on the run, just really gifted with that. But there's so much more to love about Ty than Manziel to say nothing of the off-the-field stuff. Johnny Manziel would start scrambling around and then usually make a play with his legs that was fantastic. Ty scrambles around just as impressively as Manziel, but then makes a play with his arm. I mean, Ty's, Ty is sort of a throw-first Manziel uh, in, in terms of what, what his game is like. Also, we all know off-the-field problems that Manziel had. Ty off-the-field is an A+. I mean, he's a coach's son. He has perfect grades. He's practically an Eagle Scout. <laughs> he's a natural team leader. He's been around football his whole life. He's never been in trouble. He, he, he's not a guy that's going to act like, like Johnny did off the field at all. But I think on the field, Manziel is a pretty good comparison. But just keep in mind, I'm not saying he can't throw it. It's the opposite. I would say, whereas Manziel probably ran like a 4-5, and was a pretty decent passer. Ty is like an excellent passer, but runs more like a 4-7. And, and 4-7, by the way, is fast for, for quarterbacks. He has great feet, but he's going to use those feet to keep a play alive more so than he's going to use his feet to run 75 yards for a touchdown, as Manziel often did. Yeah, for reference, I'd say I bet Trevor Lawrence is no better than a 4-7. And, and again, yeah. I'm not saying the guy's Trevor Lawrence. I'm just saying yeah. if you watch Clemson at all, there were several times when uh, Trevor Lawrence had to take off and he's not getting caught. I mean, he, oh. it, it, he's not running for 85 yards, but he can run 30 yards for a touchdown. And that's, that's what you want Trevor Lawrence to do. You don't want him going 85 yards. That's right. 4-7 is a fast football player. It's really fast for quarterback. And the fact of the matter is if, if, you're running in, if you run a 4-7 and you're in the open field, and you're being run down by somebody who runs a 4-5, yeah, the 4-5 guy's going to catch you, but it's going to take a minute. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not a black – it's not a flash of light. <laughs> there you have it. about point two seconds. Um, and you can make up, so, you can make up some me... ground in that, you know. But, no, it, Ty, Ty Simpson is a uh, – and, again, I could keep up with comparisons all day. I'll, I'll tell you another guy he's somewhat similar to, uh, although we had not seen him play a lot. There's a lot of Bryce Young and, and Ty. I mean, that's – there, that's sort of what we're getting. Again, I don't think he's quite as fast, but they're similarly they're similar athletically. And let me tell you, Ty, 
where Ty will surprise you is for such an athletic quarterback and, and a kid that's only really 6'1", he can zing it. I mean, there, there's some real velocity in his throws. Uh, if, if, you're, if you have an offense where you just want your quarterback to be a pocket, down-the-field pocket passer, Ty can do that too, and he would be just fine. Yeah, and so he will commit on February 26th. It sounds like it's going to be Alabama or Clemson. I would say uh, Clemson has a slight lead, whatever the hell that means. But, uh, you know, don't count Nick Saban out. It just the more you talked, the more it sounded like a Clemson guy to me. I mean, it just did. But He would be a good we'll, fit. We'll He'd be a good fit in either offense because he's similar to Tua and Jalen. He's also similar to Trevor and Deshaun Watson. He can do all those things. I think Ty's going to Alabama, but when I say I think he's going to Alabama, I would put those chances at, at probably around 66% or less. Uh, I, you know, I'm like two, almost two-thirds sure it's Alabama, but, uh, but I'm not so sure. For instance, I'm not calling bet online AG and making a bet. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that confident. But if someone says, okay, which one is it? I'll tell you Alabama. Well, I do feel better now than if you had said 65%. 66% gives <laughs> well, me at like least two-thirds. one more percentage point of confidence. <laughs> exactly. Jimmy, let's, uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to run down a few other odd men things. It's funny you brought up Johnny Manziel, Jimmy. Uh, he was in the FCF fan-controlled football league or whatever the hell that was. Did you see that this weekend, by the way? I vaguely know what it is. I did not see it. I even whipped through on Twitter. Even if there were former Alabama players in the league, and there may be, I don't think there is, but there could be. I am, if I'm going to watch real football this spring, it'll be an FCS game. Uh, I'm not watching that. I I don't like pro spring leagues. I'm certainly going to like that league even less than the XFL or whatever. Uh, it is just not my thing. I, I don't like it. Uh, I, I mean, I get that these guys still want an opportunity to play and maybe get a little check. That's fine. I'm not denigrating that. I'm just like myself. I, I've got, you know, I got spring football to look forward to. I got recruiting. There is FCS football on to say nothing of college basketball is about to hit its peak. Uh, baseball is just starting. Alabama baseball plays this upcoming weekend. The softball team played this past weekend. I, I got plenty of sports to uh, entertain me. I'm, I'm not going to add something new. You know, I'm with you because as much as I love football, and we spend the majority of our time on this podcast talking football, even out of football season, but the but my thing about it is I, I recall Eddie Murphy and uh, Raw when he said, you know, you're dating a girl and, and y'all don't get physical, but when you find, you know, for several weeks, maybe a few months, maybe even longer, and – eventually you get physical and he's like, Oh my God, that's, that's the best ever that you're the best that you, I got to have you. He said, yeah, because if you're starving and somebody gives you a cracker, you're going to say, this is the best meal I ever had. And that's what the way I look at football. Like when football rolls back around in August, I'm starving for it. And so I'm loving it. If I had football and access to football all year round, I'm not going to love it in the fall as much. I don't want to do that. I'm, I want to be deprived a little bit so that I enjoy it more when it comes back around. It also gives me a chance 
to, you know, to hit reset on my life. I mean, I get to find out what my children are doing. <laughs> I mean, cause they've done a lot in the fall. I mean, did you know they go to school? So it's, but I'm pretty obsessed with football. And so I don't know what the hell's happening with the rest of the world. Damn, we got a new president. I didn't, some chap named Brian or Biden or something. It's great. I'm, I'm just learning shit all the time uh, because football season's over. I need to get football season over sometimes so I can actually do things that are productive to society or at least my immediate nuclear family. Everybody's different, so I don't want to speak for everybody because everybody is different. But I, I believe there is a fundamental misunderstanding between owners, people who are rich and own football, and they're trying to make money off of giving football to the masses who love football because the masses do love football. And I'm not speaking for all the masses because everybody's a little different. But I believe what I'm about to say is generally true, and I believe you're going to agree with this, and that's simply we love football because football is an event. It's, a, it's an event. It's a concert. It's not baseball where there's 162 games. It's not NBA basketball where there's 82 or hockey that goes on for nine months. Football, there's fewer football games. It's a big event. We look forward to it like we look forward to a concert. Uh, it, it's it's a big thing, and we look forward to these big events. If you had football for 52 Saturdays all year long, it's not an event anymore. It's 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 weekly. It's pervasive, and like you say, Luke, it, you don't look forward to it if it's 52 times. And the second misunderstanding is I don't think these owners or people that own football understand the tribalism. I think we love football because we love our team. We love Alabama on this podcast, and we are so in love with Alabama. Alabama is a year-round thing to us. It doesn't matter that we're not playing the games until the fall. It's still a year-round thing. I would rather love Alabama in the spring than watch New Mexico State play Wyoming in March. I'm not going to watch New Mexico State and Wyoming in March. I'd rather sit around and discuss what Alabama is going to look like in September, because that's what I love. Now, do I like football? Heck yes. And I'm so starved for football in the fall. I will watch New Mexico state play Wyoming in August and September because I'm so ready for football. But if you have football all year round, maybe I'm not going to care about New Mexico state and Wyoming. I'll still care about Alabama, but I love football as much as anybody, but I'm not going to watch it 52 weeks a year. I, I fear that would ruin my football fall. You know, it, it will ruin the fall if, no, it's, I'm with if you. it's year round. Football yeah. is football, and then recruiting season, and then spring practice, and then and then summer are literally my four seasons. True, <laughs> yeah. winter and fall and, and spring. <laughs> um, my seasons are summer. Football, recruiting, spring practice. Spring. That's right. And they're not they're not equal in length. They, they, but that's what I consider to be my seasons. I'm not I don't who cares? Spring spring's for suckers. It's like <laughs> Valentine's Day. I had a friend of mine say, I said, What are you doing on Valentine's? I'm not doing anything on Valentine's. He said, That's amateur hour. Professionals go out on February twentieth. You know, you get whatever restaurants you want. And uh, you still have the same result. You hopefully end up, you know, 
disappointing your wife <laughs> later on in the bedroom. Uh, we all end up in the same place, but I, I spend less money and uh, I get to eat whatever restaurant I want to. I was like, that's a great point. I mean, February 14th is just a made up date. So let's make it February 20th from here on out. It's not a bad idea. Um, Jimmy, really quickly, tell us what you know about the new coach. Is it Jay Valet? Jay Valet? Valet. Or Jay Valet? Jay Valet. No, please say it's Jay Valet. Jay Valet, come on. <laughs> Jay Valet would be so much better. I agree. Look, we could make we could agree to call him that here, but it would not be correct. It's a Jay Valet. I know, but if I see him, I'm going Jay Valet. I mean, Jay Valet, that sounds like if that sounds like an adjective for somebody who's really happy. Have you ever seen Jimmy? He's so Jay Valet. <laughs> yeah, well, it describes so how happy it. I am that we. It describes how happy I am <laughs> that we uh, hired Jay Valet. Uh, you know, there's a couple different ways to look at his sparse resume. Uh, he's a young guy. He, he was playing college football only like ten years ago. I mean, this isn't a guy that's been out off the playing field very long. He played at Wisconsin. Uh, they're always well coached at Wisconsin. They always have a good defense. And he was part of those really good Wisconsin defenses. Probably played for Barry Alvarez, I would guess, around the 2010 areas, I think, when he graduated. Then he went into private training and basically trained athletes off the field uh, for a little while. Kind of had his own business uh, training athletes, sort of, sort of similar to what we do at QB Country. Uh, he did that for a while before entering uh, coaching for schools on a full-time basis, uh, and he has also spent some time in the NFL. One way to look at his resume, you know, he's had about four jobs in the past two months, because, and it's not because he's fired. He keeps, he keeps getting a better job every two weeks, basically, uh, and, and then he settles at Alabama. He was at Texas this past year on the Tom Herman staff, obviously has to leave there because that staff got fired. I think he ended up at Rut uh, Houston. No, no, Rutgers, Rutgers. I think he was leaving, you know, he needed a job. He gets hired at Rutgers, but then his buddy, Doug Belk, who did, uh, was also a young coach at Alabama under Saban. Doug Belk, who was going to be the DC at Houston, hires him away from Rutgers. And you're like, oh, hell yeah, I'd rather be at Houston than Rutgers with my buddy, Doug. So he goes to Houston. And before he can even get his stuff unpacked, the Philadelphia Eagles call him and say, hey, we need an assistant defensive back coach. In other words, in the NFL, they don't just have a DB coach. They have a DB coach and then an assistant DB coach, the number two. Well, the Eagles offered him number two DB coach and head of defensive quality control. And he's like, well, that's going to look better on my resume than coaching in the American Athletic Conference. So before he even unpacks his boxes at Houston, he goes to Philadelphia <laughs> and uh, was, was hired there, I believe, by Joe Panunzio, which is uh, how he ends up at Alabama. Panunzio, who's an off-the-field guy for the Eagles, and he's not in charge of hiring, but he does have a voice there. And, you know, so, so uh, Valai, uh, he's up there. And then again, before he can unpack his boxes, probably due to the Panunzio Association, the phone rings again. It's Nick Saban at Alabama saying, you want to interview for our – DB spot or cornerback spot. And he ends up believing that's better for him. So he literally had like four jobs in the span of about six or seven weeks without unpacking his boxes. And on the one hand, you're like, boy, that's a picture of instability. And on the other hand, you're like, wow, this guy, <laughs> this guy is wanted by everyone at every level. He just, he keeps getting promoted before his boxes get 
unpacked. And that's because each one of these jobs that he's taken has been better than the one that preceded it. So this dude is quickly climbing the ladder without even getting on the field. So he's obviously an impressive young guy. Uh, but we'll see how, he, how he'll do because now he's getting thrown in the deep end coaching for Nick Saban in Alabama. It's at the top of the profession, but it's not an easy thing to do. He has extensive ties to the state of Texas where he's from. I believe myself that's why he was hired. Alabama lost a ton of their Texas connections with Jeff Banks and Carl Scott out the door. So Texas is a vital recruiting area for Alabama. I believe it was Jay Valai's recruiting uh, connections to the state of Texas that put him at the top of Alabama's board. Uh, a few things to dissect there as we wrap the show up. First of all, it dawned on me, was Panunzio the name of Danny Noonan's arch nemesis in Caddyshack? <laughs> you remember that when he goes, what you, what you know, Panunzio? Isn't that what he said when he was like buying that Coke at the beginning? He said, uh, I got 50 cents for, you know, give me a Coke. He said, uh, no, they had to go up on the price because the, the guy who ran the cart barn had been losing at the track. Remember? Yeah, you remember I, that I, scene? I remember yeah. the scene. I, I could pick the dude out of a lineup. I know exactly who you're talking about. I don't like recall. I don't recall his name being Panunzio. Also, I remember thinking, "This is the kick-ass bad boy guy at, at the caddy barn," and he looked like he weighed about 115 pounds. The, <laughs> it sure did. I, I, I couldn't understand <laughs> how Looking he could wet. carry that. Yeah, I couldn't understand how he could carry that bag for 18 holes, much less be <laughs> the badass of the caddy barn. Well, he about couldn't remember those two old people almost died on him, and they. <laughs> <laughs> remember that because that old guy said that's a peach hun but uh okay the other thing that um i thought about was you were talking about how he kept moving up the ladder it reminded me of you remember when elaine bennis kept promoting that crazy guy like the crazy military guy and he finally was scared of the editor of the whole catalog yeah because she was scared of him <laughs> and, and everybody's like wait a minute you promoted him and they all quit on her Oh, that, was, yep. that was great. So he could end up like that, or he, that, could, he could be the greatest ever. The other thought I had was, what if he has a buddy who travels around with him? He's like, hey, man, hey, Bill, I need you to uh, to help me unpack again. He's like, okay, no problem. I need you to help me move. And, and he goes, hey, Bill, I know this sounds crazy, and we just unpacked all my shit, but I'm leaving New Jersey and heading to Houston. He's like, okay, man, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. you know, I'll do you a solid. He goes to Houston. He's like, Hey, buddy, um, I know we just got through with all this shit, but we got to put it all back in the U-Haul. We're heading to Philly. He's like, I got an idea. Stick it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally, I'm sure that conversation took place. <laughs> I have no idea because helping somebody move sucks, and this, this cat's moving every two weeks. I think he's, um, right, I think he's here to stay, though. I think, I think you'll yeah, find he's okay. here to stay. Saban probably chained him to a radiator. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Um, that's gonna do it for this episode. So uh, we'll just we'll just leave it at that with Jay Belay. Jay Belay. That's I don't know why I just screwed that up. Jay Belay. Um, All right, everybody. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.